The Vape Passion Show, episode 79. In this episode, we're going to talk about an e-juice review of Naked 100 Green Blast, an old-school vape review of the Wismic Bambino RDA, the Department of Health UK embraces vaping to make England smoke-free, the judge in the Nicopure vs. FDA lawsuit rules in favor of the FDA, Wrigley sues a vape company for trademark infringement, a poll shows that half of vape enthusiasts use temp control, and Rip Trippers makes a cringe-worthy rap song. Hey, welcome back to the Bay Passion Show. I'm Alex, this is episode 79, and I'm recording this on Sunday, July 23rd. If you're planning on buying a vape product anytime soon and you want to support the show, go to vapepassion.com vendors and buy from one of those links. There are more than 50 popular vendors listed. I'll get a small commission for referring you, but it doesn't cost you anything extra. So first I want to thank another subscriber of mine, Dave, for sending me a box of goodies. Dave is such an awesome guy. He's always commenting on my videos and sending me emails. Um, and the box of stuff that he sent me is like Christmas, except for the difference between his gifts and Christmas is that he got me stuff that I actually want. I'm just playing, but I, I get some good stuff for Christmas sometimes, but do any of you have a family member who gets you some random gift from like Walgreens? Yeah, that's my family. Anyway, Dave hooked it up. He actually sent me his Smoke Alien and the new Arco tank just because he wanted to say thanks for doing for me doing the show. So how crazy is that? Thanks, Dave, and thanks everyone for all of your support. It, it really does mean a lot to me. So following up on that, I've been using the Arco tank, the Horizon Arco tank on the Alien. And first, the Alien is pretty sweet. I can see why everyone loves these things. The only con that I have is a personal one, and it's that I like to push the button with my fingers rather than my palm. And in that position, the screen is facing my palm so that I can't see it. That's entirely my own personal preference because some people might not care. Um, now for the Arco tank, the coils are really unique. They're using flax paper in between the cotton wicks, which is the first time this has ever been used in a coil as far as I know. I'm not sure if I notice any difference with the flax paper. The tank itself looks really cool if you don't mind the rainbow color, which I don't. I like it. The airflow is vast, which I also like. The flavor is good once the coils break in, but it does take a while for them to break in. One thing that I'm not so sure about is the metal. It feels a really thin and maybe even cheap, just on the top cap though. So those are my impressions after first week of use. I've used it a lot already, but not enough to do a, a solid review yet. And on that note, I want to talk quickly about why it takes me so long to do product reviews. You might have noticed that I'm really late to the party when it comes to reviewing new products. I actually do get some new products in when they right when they first come out. Not all, but I do get some products at launch, and I just don't feel comfortable reviewing them right away. There are things that we just won't know until after several weeks or even months of using something. And I also like to wait a little longer to make sure that other people don't find major issues with something that I'm reviewing. I think some reviewers are afraid to watch other reviews because they don't want to be influenced by other reviewers' opinions, and I get that. But that's why I write down my first impressions and then consider them heavily before taking into account reviews from other people. So I do like to watch other people's reviews before I, I publish my own. And I'm only one person. I can't account for problems someone else might have. Uh, I might get a great product, but it might turn out that there's a manufacturing issue and other people are getting a bunch of duds. And there are some reviewers who will review a product on the day they get it. I just don't understand that, unless it's a first impressions video. I don't personally like first impressions that much because I'm not the type of vapor that needs a product on day one, but I know that there are some vapors out there that do, so those first impression videos can help them make that decision pretty quickly. But sometimes these day one videos are extremely misleading. For example, I saw a bunch of reviews of the OBS sub-engine tank in the same week that it came out. Some reviews, even on the same day, the reviewer got it in the mail. I felt like it was actually a really good tank, but the coils were terrible. But all of these day one or week one reviewers were talking about how great the flavor was. But the flavor wasn't great. It was so bad that the, that OBS actually stopped manufacturing the coils due to the complaints that they were getting and then released new coils. 
That's how I knew that these people were reviewing too early or just trying to make Heaven Gifts happy because Heaven Gifts sent a bunch of those out to reviewers, uh, me included. Um, when I saw those positive reviews without any mention of the bad coils, I was actually a little upset. I felt like these reviewers were duping people and that's why people don't trust us. Just take a look at Reddit. YouTube reviewers have a really bad reputation over there. And that's not to say that there aren't honest reviewers out there because there are, you know, people like Grim Green, Mike Vapes, uh, Vape and Fagan, Heavy Metal when he does an occasional review, Jay Hayes and, and Suck My Mod. I like all of those guys. Um, I don't have the same preference as all of them like Suck My Mod. So the products that he likes, for example, don't always appeal to me, but I think he's very honest and trustworthy. You might feel the same way about me or any other reviewer on YouTube. Just because we don't agree with a reviewer on their opinion doesn't mean that they're wrong. We all have different preferences. You just have to find the reviewers that match up with your style of vaping. And I also don't think that just because a reviewer releases a review early that it's not accurate. Some reviewers vape all day, every day, and they probably have a good sense of the product that they're reviewing. And some of the really big reviewers have no choice but to review product right away because they have so many products in their queue. So I understand that. But I'm a small time reviewer that doesn't get a lot of stuff. And I, I don't really care if I'm the last person to do a review. I just want to make sure that I do a, a quality and accurate review. And there are occasions where I do re release a review a little quickly. Um, I don't know, two weeks maybe at the soonest, probably. Um, I don't know if I've ever released a review earlier than that. In a lot of cases, I don't feel like like I should re release a review that early, but that's just me. So yeah, those are my thoughts on that, and uh, I'm still in the intro of the show. So anyway, not a lot happening with me this week. I don't know if you guys caught it, but Real Flavors did another DIY concentrate giveaway this week, and I sent a message out on my Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus profiles. So if you follow me on any of those, you'll probably you probably would have saw it. Um, the Real Flavors site was moving so slow, probably because of everyone trying to get these free flavors. And I couldn't get my order to go through. I tried three times and I kept getting a session timeout error. And then I checked my email 30 minutes later and found that all of the orders went through. So I had to contact customer service to cancel all but one of them. And uh, the email that they have on their website actually doesn't work. So I might get all of them. Anyway, this time around they were giving away grape, apple, and sugar cookie. Um, and they were still giving away the flavors from last time too, which were cinnamon roll, taffy base, and watermelon. So you could get six flavors in 30 ml bottles for only the cost of shipping, which is about $4, and that's a huge deal. So yeah, anyway, I can't wait to try those. Uh, and I did just check to see if they have any of those left, and they do. Uh, the previous giveaway flavors are now sold out, but you can still get the new ones. And I'll put the link to their promo page in the show notes. All right, let's do an e-juice review. This one is going to be of Naked 100 Green Blast. Naked 100 is made by the Schwartz, or USA Vape Lab. You can go to their website, usavapelab.com. This is a 60 ml bottle for $19.99 usually, 70 VG, 30 PG. You can get it in nicotine strengths of 0, 3, 6, and 12. The bottle that I got is 3 milligrams nicotine. So the description on their website for this says, Naked 100 Green Blast combines a smooth and subtle sweetness of honeydew, the crisp tartness of Granny Smith apple, and creamy zesty notes of kiwi. So let's give it a shot. It smells really good. It smells sweet. It smells like, it does smell like honeydew. I'm not sure I get any kiwi out of there. I don't get any apple either, really. So let's vape it. Um, I'm using the Cosmonaut RDA on the Predator 228, built at uh, 0.28 ohms, 99 watts. So like every other Naked 100 juice that I've tried, it's really good. It's sweet, so if you like sweet e-juices, you'll probably like it. Um, I do taste the honeydew slightly. Um, not so much kiwi, I don't think, and... Honestly, I don't know if I really taste apple either. 
Um, I'm sure that those flavors are in there and maybe are complementing the honeydew. I think the honeydew uh, really is the overall main flavor here. And, um, and it all tastes like candy. So it is like a, a candy honeydew flavor. It's not overwhelming. The flavor, the sweetness isn't overpowering. And uh, it's, um, it's pretty good. I like it. All right, now let's do an old school vape review of the Wismic Bambino RDA. So the Wismic Bambino is a low profile RDA that was released somewhere around July 2015. It was designed by Jbo and manufactured by Wismic. So even back then, Jbo was working with Wismic, which I didn't know until I looked it up. Um, there weren't a ton of rev in-depth reviews for this RDA, so I don't know a whole lot about whether people liked it or not. But I see that a lot of people at least felt like it was a very stylish dripper at the time. Um, not so much these days, but yeah. Okay, so let's quickly go over the features. It's made of 303 stainless steel, has six air inlet holes for large airflow, unique vortex flow design of the top cap, and it's 22 millimeters in diameter and 25.5 millimeters height. Those are all their claims. That's from their website. They claim that the artful design of the coil deck made it nearly leak proof. And if you look at some of the reviews for this, a lot of people actually had a different looking deck than what I have. Um, I think that they got an early version and then for some reason Wismic decided to change it. So I have the deck that has the, the middle post has two holes in it. Uh, well, it's one big hole, but two screws. The early version had only one screw, one hole, and it was the same screws as the, the negative posts, the negative post screws. So they did change it. So it is very low profile. Um, one thing that I don't care for so much is the metal drip tip because metal gets hot. But also something to keep in mind is that this was designed in 2015 when people weren't doing a lot of really uh, really low sub-ohming and high wattage vaping. It was happening, but just not as much. And this was probably designed more for that crowd. The deck isn't very big, so you do have to build somewhat small coils. Those negative screws, the flathead screws, they kind of suck. They're not very deep, so the screwdriver doesn't catch them very well. That's pretty annoying, actually. Um, they could have done a lot better with those screws, and they don't seem to catch very well either on the bottom. They Maybe they could be a little bit more flatter. I don't know what the deal is. They just don't catch the wire very well. So you probably have to use just a basic round wire build. You can't use anything special in here because I tried Clapton's and th uh, the, the screws just won't catch it. So you do have to use something smaller. It's also annoying that they use two different screws here. They use the flatheads and then the grub screws. So you need two different screwdrivers for that. And the grub screws are about as small as you can get. They're not the average, the typical grub screw size that most other RDAs use or devices use. Um, I actually had to get my toolkit out and get all of my hex wrenches. And I had to use the smallest one, which was a 005. You will have to get a different hex wrench if you don't have one for this. You'll notice that there are some ridges on the side of the deck there, and that's where you line up the airflow holes. It seems to snap together pretty well. Um, when I first got it, it was really stiff. so. You might have to juice up those O-rings a little bit with some PG or something, or your E-juice even. Uh, I know a lot of people do that just to get it to, uh, so you can take the top cap off and on, or the barrel. The 510 pin doesn't really come out very far, so you wouldn't want to use it on a hybrid device. So you can see it's really small. This is on the Predator, and it's very low profile too, but let's give it a shot. Well, what am I at? 0.15 ohms, 99 watts. Yeah, so high wattage doesn't do well on here. It's Your mouth is just too close to those coils. That was 31 watts. Um, let's take it up to 40. You can get some pretty good vapor production. You can push, a, I, supp I suppose, a decent amount of watts. I'm at 40. I don't know if I want to take it much higher than that because, uh, like I said, it's the coils are just so close to the to the mouthpiece that it just gets hot. The flavor is pretty good though. 
It's not amazing, but it's decent. And that's with the, all of the airflow holes open. So um, somewhat restricted. It's not great. Not a ton of airflow, but that's really not what this device was, this atomizer was designed for. So I'm going to close it off to four airflow holes. Yeah, it gets more restricted. You can definitely notice a change. And now let's do two. And you can only do two at a time. You can't do one airflow. Um, you can't do one airflow hole because uh, it's on both sides and there's no way of blocking off one side. And with the two airflow holes open, it's uh, very restricted. It's almost like a almost like a mouth to lung RDA. Maybe still a little bit too airy for mouth to lung. Maybe if you did it to um, half, half of an airflow hole. Yeah, so you get close to mouth to lung. Um, but if you like restricted airflow, you can do that with this. I don't know. It's okay. Um, I like that it's low profile and I like how small it is. It would be cool on a smaller device. Uh, for higher wattage, not good at all. But if you like restricted airflow and lower wattages, you know, maybe a max of 50, I think probably 40, even 30 might be better for this. Then if you like those kinds of wattages, I think you might like it. Nothing all that unique about it either, but like, other than the size. And you can't get it for like, I think I paid $5. So 5 or $10, it's not bad. All right, let's move on to the news. So here's some big news out of the UK. The Department of Health UK embraces vaping to make England smoke-free. So on July 18th, the Department of Health UK released a tobacco control plan designed to reduce the amount of smokers in England through the end of the year 2022. Their goals are to reduce the smoking rate of people under the age of 15 from 8% to 3%, reduce the smoking rates of adults from 15.5% to 12%, reduce smoking rates of pregnant women from 10.5% to 6%, and reduce smoking rates of those with disadvantages, for example, poor people, people with mental illnesses, or the disabled. And they eventually aim to reach a smoking prevalence of 5% or less, which is what they will consider to be a smoke-free generation. To do this, they have added wording to their most recent tobacco control plan that now includes electronic cigarettes. Number four of their national ambitions section says that they are committed to evidence-based policy making, which includes permitting innovative technologies that minimize the risk of harm. And digging into the tobacco control plan, you'll find a section specifically dedicated to backing evidence-based innovation, which discusses how more smokers are turning to e-cigarettes to help themselves quit smoking. They report that an estimated 2 million people in 2016 successfully used e-cigs to quit smoking in England, and that 470,000 people used e-cigs as an aid to quit. They also state that it's increasingly clear that e-cigarettes are significantly less harmful to health than smoking tobacco. So they're saying a lot of good things there. And they are recommending that e-cigarette use to not be covered in smoke-free legislation, and they are also urging employers and organizations to introduce policies that make it easier for employees to vape. You'll also find some interesting wording here that talks about how they welcomed the recent introduction of novel tobacco products, which is referring to heat not burn products like the IQOS from Philip Morris. So that's interesting too. Now as a part of this plan, they will monitor the impact of regulation and policies on e-cigarettes. They will include messages about relative safety of e-cigs in quit smoking campaigns. They will provide smokers with evidence-based info about vaping to help them make informed decisions. They will provide guidance to health professionals in advising smokers to using electronic cigarettes. They'll make sure that medicinal regulation of vapor products allows a range of safe and effective products. And 
provide an environment that facilitates smokers improving their health. This is the most government level support that vaping has ever received anywhere in the world. Hopefully other countries are paying attention and start to follow the UK's lead here. Alright, moving on. The judge in the Nicopure vs. FDA lawsuit rules in favor of the FDA. So the Nicopure vs. FDA lawsuit was one of the very few things the vape community was hopeful for in order to save the vape industry. This lawsuit was originally filed in May 2016, almost immediately following the FDA's announcement of the deeming regulations that deem vapor products as tobacco. The lawsuit argued that the deeming decision exceeded the FDA's authority. Ten other vape businesses and organizations filed suit shortly after Nicopure, and then in June, Judge Jackson combined all of the lawsuits into one and then heard arguments from both sides in October of last year. We've been waiting for a decision for nearly ten months now, and now that day has finally come. So the vape community received some terrible news last week on Friday, July 21st, after Judge Amy Berman Jackson ruled in favor of the FDA, so the FDA's deeming regulations will stand. Judge Jackson was also quoted as saying, the court wishes to reassure the many worried vapers who followed these proceedings closely that this case is not about banning the manufacturer or sale of the devices. That is not what the deeming rule does or what it was intended to accomplish. In the deeming rule, the FDA simply announced that electronic cigarettes or electronic nicotine delivery systems would be subject to the same set of rules and regulations that Congress had already put in place for conventional cigarettes. She's not wrong as far as the laws are written. The deeming regulations don't explicitly ban vape products, but she doesn't seem to realize, or, or maybe she does, that the regulations are designed to ban vape products with carefully thought out wording, specifically requiring that all products after 2007 need FDA approval. There were no products on the market before 2007, and the cost to get a product approved is too expensive for anyone other than big tobacco essentially banning vape products. The government isn't stupid when they write laws and legal documents like this. The documents were written so well that even if the judge knows what her ruling means for the vape industry, she couldn't argue with them. Anyway, Greg Conley of the American Vaping Association made a statement saying, we are still reviewing Judge Jackson's opinion. He also said, the legal and legislative processes are both long roads with plenty of bumps along the way. The fight to save vaping is far from over. The attorneys are currently considering an appeal. So yeah, bad news, but we'll wait and see how that all plays out later. All right, let's move on to the next topic. So Wrigley is suing a vape company for trademark infringement. Wrigley, the well-known chewing gum manufacturer, has filed a lawsuit against an Illinois vape shop for trademark infringement. The lawsuit was filed on July 13th in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Illinois. So Cheetown Vapors, make and sell two e-juices that infringe on Wrigley's intellectual property, one called Double Mint Gum and the other called Juicy Fruit. Although the labels were crudely drawn, they clearly resemble the official Wrigley labels. The complaint also points out that Cheetown Vapors is using other trademarks. It says, rather than develop their own brand names for their products, defendants have chosen to market their e-liquid for electronic cigarettes using the trademarks of various other well-known companies, including Wrigley's brand names, without authorization or license. Wrigley's lawsuit is requesting that Cheetown Vapors remove the offending e-juices from the website and that all profits from those flavors are paid to Wrigley. The vape community has wondered for many years when big brands would finally start defending their trademarks being infringed upon by the vape industry and it looks like that time might have finally come. What's especially bad about this case is that Wrigley actually sent Cheetown Vapors a warning in 2014. Cheetown at that time took down the images and the e-juices, but then they started to sell it again in late 2015. The owner of Cheetown Vapors has also made many other mistakes in the last couple of years. They received a warning from the FDA for underage sales last month. They claim to be an FDA registered facility, which is not a claim you're allowed to make. And I don't know if it has anything to do with this lawsuit, but Cheetown Vapors filed for chapter seven bankruptcy just a few months ago in March. So yeah, the owner of Cheetown Vapors doesn't sound like someone who should be running a, a business. And usually people who are doing trademark infringement you know, they're, they're these kinds of people. So we might start seeing more lawsuits like this coming up. All right, moving on. 
A poll shows that half of vape enthusiasts use temp control. So Phil Bissardo did a small poll to see how many people use temperature control devices. It was just a quick poll and of a biased audience, considering that they are probably mostly all from Phil Bissardo's fan base. So it's not representative of vapors as a whole, but it's a good general idea of how many people within our community of vaping enthusiasts use temp control. So of the 1,256 respondents, 532 of them use temperature control all the time, 545 of them never use temperature control, and 179 of them sometimes use temperature control. These are really interesting results. In my head, I thought hardly anyone used temp control anymore, but clearly I'm wrong. At least among all of us enthusiasts, about half of us use temp control. Phil also added for that from what he saw in the comment sections, people still feel like temp control is difficult to use and needs to be more accurate. And that's actually how I feel about it too and why I don't bother with it, with it at all anymore. I wonder if any manufacturers are working on improving on this technology. I feel like it was really popular at one time. It innovated really quickly and then it just stalled and no progress has been made since. So yeah, anyway, that was a, a nice quick poll that Phil put together. All right, and finally, Rip Trippers made a cringeworthy but fun rap song. Guess who this is? You know the guy with the funky hat beard so long and black. So Rip Trippers released a new rap song and let me just come right out and say that it's not good. It has a boring beat in my opinion and poorly written lyrics, but I actually love that Rip did this. Rip is doing his thing and he doesn't care if people judge him for it. And it's obvious that this song wasn't designed to bump on some 15 inch subs while you're cruising. On a side note, do people still blast their music on quality systems? I, I don't really see it anymore. Um, when I was younger, I had some sweet competition 15s, and I think it was a 1000 watt amp, and I used to blast gangster rap like Scarface, Do or Die, Devin the Dude, 8Ball and MJG, you know, classic rap that had some heavy bass drops that would make your heart hurt. I'm also into metal, so I listen to stuff like Lamb of God and Kill Switch Engage 2, which also sound great on a good system. Anyway, off on a tangent there, so yeah, go go check out Rip Song if you're looking for a little bit of fun. Nothing you want to blast on some subs, but it'll brighten up your day. Okay, that's all I have for you this week. You'll find the show notes for this episode on vapepassion.com. Just do a search for episode 79. If you want to support this show, consider donating to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash vapepassion. You can follow me on Twitter at vapepassion, and I'm also on Facebook. If you like the show, I'd love it if you gave me a review on iTunes. You can also catch the video version of the podcast on YouTube. If you're not already a subscriber, please subscribe. If you want to get notifications of new reviews or of the show, you can sign up to receive my weekly email on vapepassion.com. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me anytime or leave a comment on one of my videos. All right, I'll see you next week. Paving the way.